Mahomes, their second year of existence, have won MLS Cup. Faster Final Joe Patrick, let's talk about the midfield because I'm not super excited about the midfield. Have we talked about the midfield? Mid- before? What midfield? What midfield? The, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good lord, man. Look, Atlanta United had three one losers in Nashville. Uh, it was coming. It was kind of the the cherry on top of a really not great week for Atlanta United. Uh, we did a Patreon pod on the Open Cup and told you guys not to worry. Because of the Open Cup, we told you guys to worry because of the, the the everything else that was going on and some of the trends, especially with regards to working the ball into the final third and getting touches inside the penalty area and just the general sloppiness in midfield. And all of that kind of manifested in a big old Music City beatdown this weekend. It was not good. It was not close. And for me, it starts with the midfield that just isn't good enough. Yeah, it, well, it's funny. I feel like we have this conversation every time Santiago Sosa starts. And it's like, I was looking <laughs> at the stats, and it's not like he played, like, if you look at the stat sheet, he played fine, it, it, you know. So I think it's more, <laughs> it's more, it's just him personally. No, I'm just kidding. But it's just mm. like, you know, it, it is, it is a, um, I think it's partially down to his style of play in particular. And, also, when you pair him with a Mateus Rosetto, I feel like you just get you're just kind of asking for midfield to get bogged down and be not very dynamic and for things to just kind of go the way that they did against Nashville, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I kind of wrote in our show sheet here. It was just a very predictable performance and result uh, in that kind of game, which was admittedly a tough game against Nashville. Very good team, especially when they're playing at home. But it kind of went exactly the way that I certainly expected it to go when we look at the way that this team has played in their last couple of games. And when you looked at the team that Gonzalo Pineda had out there without the goal scorer, uh, Yorgos Yakamakas, who gives you a goal a game, but only when he plays and with that midfield, like you said. So it's a tough one. It's a tough one to talk about. Cause it's just so like annoying and frustrating. <laughs> it is annoying. And it's frustrating because I just don't really get it to some extent. Like I asked Gonzalo point Blake, this week about the selection for Chicago, uh, the Hosetsu Sosa pairing that, that clearly didn't work against Chicago was clearly not disrupting anything. It clearly not causing Chicago to come out of their base defensive setup. Like they weren't coming out of their rest defense setup. And he basically said, you know, a coming off the injury, you know, didn't want to put him out there and everything like that. Even still, I feel like Sadish is a better pairing for Sosa. I just think yeah. that. And yep. then you kind of go out and play Franco Ibarra 120 minutes against Memphis in the U.S. Open Cup game, and it doesn't really quite right. jive with with everything that we're actually seeing, right? Like, believe what you see, not what you hear, all that kind of thing. And we saw Franco Ibarra go 120 minutes in a game that didn't really matter. Uh, I've got some serious questions about that, concerns about that. Do I think it changes that much? It changes a little. I still think the midfield as a whole is pretty mid like it is a mm-hmm. mid midfield. Like if we really just want to hammer that home, but I, but I think the outcomes mm-hmm. are better with Ibarra and Sadich on the field, and hopefully, like that has been grasped. Hopefully, you guys have grasped that we're over at Patreon.com/slash/five-stripe-final. Go ahead and check that out when yes. you get a chance. We'll have interviews, all sorts of stuff going up, lots of things to check out there. Uh, Joe, anything big coming up on the Patreon? Anything we want to plug? 
uh, on the Patreon. No, we've had some really good interviews the last couple of weeks. I know we've talked about it before, but talking with Joe Lowry here recently, uh, talked with Rob Usry a couple of weeks ago. I was super busy last week, and obviously we had the U.S. Open Cup going on. I had NFL draft stuff to cover, so uh, we just did a little extra thing on the game, obviously midweek, and uh, we'll find somebody to talk to this week. Maybe I got to hit uh, Teoto football up. He's got to come on soon. I feel like it's it's been too long since we've talked to him. He's a busy man though. He's got a tight schedule. He's got a lot of a lot of kids running running the running the house. Mm-hmm. The CEOs mm-hmm. in charge. So we'll find somebody interesting to talk to. We'll figure it out. We're actually gonna talk about Toyota football a little bit more right now in Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime, Sports Prime to Game Time. Sports Prime, Game Time, Joe Patrick, and I want to talk about talent. And I read about this in The Striker, and this is kind of what the focus of my article was about. But I want to talk about talent in the sense that there are pretty consistent criticisms of the coaching staff and everyone involved at Atlanta United for, for underperforming in regards to the talent on the field. Mm -hmm. And I think people conflate that with transfer spend. I think people conflate that with, you know, the transfer market value. I I think people see all those things and say, okay, this team is so talented. Why aren't we winning? But it's more than just what you can do on the ball. It's more than your ability to dribble. It is more about what you can do to create positive outcomes within a soccer game. And for all of Santiago Sosa's ability on the ball, for all of Mateus Asetio's general kind of sort of cleanliness on the ball, even though I don't really see that that often, there is a gap when it comes to talent in midfield in regards to making positive outcomes happen by moving off the ball by progressing the ball forward, by disrupting things defensively. Mm -hmm. And when there is that big of a gap, it makes everything else more difficult. It makes things more difficult defensively. It makes things more difficult in attack. It makes everything more difficult. And Atlanta United will not compete with the best teams in the league until that talent gap is filled. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you talk about talent, I think that that's one of the reasons why it feels like right now this team is something I just kind of tweeted out with a blurb that went with my thoughts column this morning, which was that, you know, this team feels like it's nothing more or less than the sum of its parts right now. And I think that that is it is a a kind of shrouded, you know, criticism of, of Gonzalo Pineda and just like where this team is at tactically. I think that he has not great options to choose from, especially in this midfield. I think that he probably could have planned it a little bit better. Again, you were talking about Franco Ibarra playing the 120 minutes um, in the middle of the week that kind of left him unable to, to start in this one. But it just feels like the mishmash of players that you have that have been accrued over, you know, these last few years of a lot of upheaval at the club is still, you know, rearing its head uh, at times. And um, this, to me, this midfield 
conundrum that we've been talking about now for the last few weeks and even before the season we kind of knew that this was going to be yeah yeah we we knew that this was going to be a weak point for the team we were pleasantly surprised with the level of play that we saw out of the midfield in about the first month or so of the season but you know things have started to come back around and um it's just i for me it's something that i'm just hoping that the team can get on with until the summer and hope Garth can, you know, find some some of the right players. And obviously we know the recruitment team that's now in place that can help identify the re- the correct kind of players that can come in. And I feel I feel a little bit bad for Gonzalo Pineda because I do think he is getting the brunt of the criticism. I'm not saying that he's without blame at all here, but um, it just feels like this team is a little disjointed right now, probably more disjointed than they felt at the beginning of the season where it felt like they had a leg up on some of their opponents. And now at this point, it feels like they're kind of back to where they were for a lot of, you know, the way that we saw the team playing last season. It was super interesting this week to hear Gonzalo Pineda talk about kind of exactly that, like why this regression is happening. And I didn't like bluntly ask that. I just kind of asked about, you know, why, the team is struggling to progress the ball in midfield, why the general issues are happening. And he kind of hinted that the teams are figuring out Atlanta United. He said that we have stuff on tape at this point, right? Like, and teams are adjusting. Now it's our job to adjust to that. And it's another one of those things that just becomes more difficult when you don't have the talent mm-hmm. in midfield. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't really change your play style. You can't just suddenly become more dynamic. You can't, suddenly have the the proper rotations in midfield both in build up and defensively in transition right like those things just don't happen necessarily and when teams adjust to what you're doing already and you can't make the extra adjustments you're gonna get what you get against chicago and nashville Mm -hmm. and to a lesser extent memphis Mm -hmm. right and that's where we're at with this team and that's not gonna change right right with the personnel that they have right now right it's just not that's the scary <laughs> it's like you want to you want to believe this is kind of a bad dream and things will kind of course correct on their own but i don't think they will necessarily it doesn't mean they can't get results in the meantime but i really think this is just going to be a kind of struggle grind it out try to grind out the results until you do have an opportunity to to fix things again probably in the summer probably when you are able to get marcelino moreno's contract kind of more fully off the books and just open up some of that money we i do understand i mean the understanding is they do they do have some money to work with right now um Mm -hmm. but you know you really need a game-changing kind of number eight i mean for me that is like the position we've talked about it before that's that's really the difference maker that this team needs Mateus rosetto is just not that player frankly um and i think that the stat that you highlighted on our show last week points it out perfectly which is those you know progressions into the final third are just so or into the box was it the into the box both i mean they can't get the ball into the final third yeah at at a high level they're like 15th in that yeah uh, 15th in touches in the final third like 15th and touches inside the penalty area that probably got worse yeah this weekend yeah uh, it's not great yeah it's not great and it's worth harping on again that picking up Mateus Isetu's option <laughs> was bizarre <laughs> yeah just yeah. straight up made no sense yeah not because there's cause no that, that would have allowed you the money to really go out and get somebody that is a, a game changer Absolutely. that we've been talking about you clear the roster spot and you clear a, a 
pretty large chunk of cap space because he cost like two million dollars worth of transfer fee to come in. You know, I, I'm, that might be off the books. I'll consider it considering it was an extension. But I mean, he's still making like 600 plus K yeah. uh, or 500K, something like that. It's not great. If you add that, if you add his current salary to what they currently have, you would have plenty of money to go out there and, and get a really, really good player to come in. And um, yeah, hopefully they can do that yeah. when they get Marcelino's number off the books. Absolutely no one around MLS. So that's a, that's a good move to pick up. No one. No one. Yeah. yeah. I, and I thought I thought he was actually particularly bad in this game. I thought it was probably was. one of his I, worst games. I think so for sure. I think so for sure. I, I mean, I, and everyone notices that. I mean, even you even have the Nashville beat writers tweeting out like, wow, there's just like a lot of space for Nashville to work in midfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. Sure is, isn't there? Yeah. I think part sure of it is. too I think part of the issue too with this team is and maybe this is a little bit too like um sports writer like cliche stuff but i really do feel like it, there is like a, a void of leadership on the field for this team and i'm not talking necessarily about a rah-rah thing somebody who's going to you know yell and motivate the team it's more of like you know how many times have we talked to jeff lorenowitz and michael parkhurst about just kind of tactically knowing how to counterbalance the side how they can basically put themselves in the best position to counterbalance the other players around them and give the team you know the best chance to perform on the field i do want to reference um a question that we had from atl greg who touched on this in relation he references a uh, tweet from doug roberson who said, said this after the game i think this is after he talked to gonzalo panetta he said atlanta united forced nashville to switch out of its diamond in the first half of saturday match it went to a 4-4-2 a flatter 4-4-2 that's when Nashville started to take control in my opinion team needs on-field leader that can help teammates make the necessary adjustments and I think that's right I it, it reminds me of um I remember talking to Jeff after they won the um what was the the uh the trophy with the one on it the camp campion scope yeah yeah and uh it was like it's like the number one yeah you're right i mean yeah that's the best description i've ever heard yeah you're right and um i remember talking to him after that game and he was the captain for uh that game he was the captain that game obviously he's it's featured heavily his uh exploits in our intro song um but you know he told us after that game that you know uh frank DeBoer told him to be the coach on the field However you say that in Dutch. <laughs> um, and what he meant by that was just, yeah, to, to be that person that Doug is talking about in that tweet. That's some, that somebody who can understand when a little tweak needs to be made and be able to communicate that with teammates. I know Gonzalo Pineda said after the game, you know, one of his kind of critiques of the way the team played was Machop Chol was dropping a little bit too deep and not, you know, staying high up to, to be an outlet. And maybe that's something that, um, a, a more wiser veteran savvy player can you know communicate to a player like chop on the field and they can get some of those things worked out and so i think that that is something that's missing in this team when you look at it it's really kind of andrew gutman and brooks lennon are probably the two that you would identify that are kind of like that um but they're both fullbacks none of them are really in a are playing a position that's that can be super influential in that kind of tactical manner. I would actually say, I think I talked about this after the game last week against Chicago, but something that impressed me most about Tiago Almada's assist to Gigi in that game was right before it happened, Almada starts pointing to teammates like, you go there, you go there, you go there, and he he goes and just takes over. But it seems like there's not somebody on the field right now who 
they're not capable of doing that, but there's just nobody that's doing that to me right now who's like really kind of galvanizing the rest of the team. I think that's part of it. I think it's part of it. I don't it's definitely know just part. It's definitely not even the core. For sure, it. it's just like a, a, one of yeah. those things that can really accentuate and make you, you know, make a good team great. Like those kinds of things. In regards to that adjustment in particular that Nashville made, they started off in that four four two diamond, right? You had Dax at the base and Hani at the top of it, and they were just trying to connect passes. What Gary Smith realized, and you can see this on Atlanta's terrible passing network chart. Where it's like it is literally like a two eight zero, like it I think is Caleb is like the highest player. Yes, he is. Um, <laughs> Gutman and Lennon are in the midfield. It, it is a disaster. To be totally honest, it's, it's extremely <laughs> ugly. One of the ugliest passing charts I've ever seen in my life. Um, but in regards to that particular adjustment, what you can see in that passing chart and what you could just kind of see in the game, um, Nashville just kind of flattened out. Essentially, it, I'm not. I think maybe more four two three one than four four two for being like super picky about it. But what it did was it allowed them to find the space in behind the fullbacks, right? And in that space where it's kind of empty and you're kind of asking midfielders like I said to and so said to shuffle out wide mm-hmm. like that, they're just never gonna get there. They're mm-hmm. never going to get there. So I'm not sure what kind of like tactical adjustment necessarily Atlanta could have made in that sense because they're chasing the game. They're right. behind the fullbacks. If they're if they're pinned in at this point, you know, Atlanta's not going to Atlanta's not going to score. <laughs> they didn't really score anyway, but they're definitely not going to score if the fullbacks are pinned in. I, I think it all kind of just contributed itself to to a pretty negative feedback loop as a whole which is again going back to the off-ball movement and all of the issues in midfield it all kind of feeds into itself in the sense that when you don't have that protection in midfield when you don't have the ability to progress the ball through midfield effectively everyone gets static everyone Mm -hmm. locks up there is no incentive to make movements off the ball and there is danger in making movements off the ball because then you open yourself up defensively to exactly what Nashville did, which is find Hani Mukhtar on the wings, really torch space and cause a lot of issues on the counter. Right. Yeah. So that all feeds into itself and it's why this team looked so boring. It's yep. why this team looked like they were in a two, eight, zero of all things. Yeah. Um, it, it all feeds into itself, you know, and maybe that changes with some leadership, but I think it changes more with better soccer players. You need when, when you're, when you're in the, like game state that Atlanta United was in in that mm-hmm. in that game Saturday where you're, you're down a goal and the other team is kind of flattening out, you know, dropping a little bit deeper. You need somebody or some passage of play like, a, a, a you know, a one two where you get in behind a, a, you know, an opponent. You need something that starts this chain of events on the other team where they have to start cover they have to start shifting to cover right it's like so you need to like dribble past them if you dribble past someone then somebody's gonna else is gonna have to step up and cover and then you have to and then and so once you can start that chain of the opponent starting starting to cover to you know adjusting to, to move space opens up a space that you can then move into exploit that space that gets covered but that opens up another space you, you know and then that's the cycle that you want to get into where you're then creating those opportunities and it just felt like Atlanta United that didn't happen for them on Saturday. And 
It almost never happens. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> when they go down, I feel like game state affects this team massively. And obviously, you know, game state's important for any team, but um, this team in particular, just it just that again, I think that's why it felt so predictable. It's like we've seen this them go down early a lot. Maybe they actually withstood a lot of the pressure they were dealing with early in the game. I thought they were gonna concede and they didn't, so credit to them for that. But obviously then it does come on the set piece and and then things just kind of played out how we're so accustomed to seeing, which is again what's so disappointing. I will say I'm glad they went back to a double pivot. We talked about some of the yep. structural issues with the single pivot in the the Patreon pod, mm-hmm. right? Um, that was good. They had a little bit but, different build up too in their back three. So, so and this is to your point about the double pivot. Mm-hmm. Before it was Sosa dropping in between the two center backs, and in this one they were using what I would consider a more standard approach of it being like one of the fullbacks adjoining to the side of the two center backs with the midfielders staying in front of them, which I thought worked mm. better. Yeah, and we, we've seen that pattern before. I think in particular, I remember NYCFC, they, yeah. they kind of did that really effectively. Um, and, you know, that's good. That's great. But, you know, if you, if you can't defend, which I'm going to couldn't in midfield, you know, it's, it's going to be a problem. Again, I, I'm just kind of baffled by the, the selection there, especially when you have, you know they're going to go diamond, right? We talked about that with Gonzalo in the middle of the week. You know they're going to do that. You know they're going to try to ping pass to Hani Central. Right, like I just don't understand why you don't opt for the more defensive option in a bar and say just besides, of course, the fact that a bar played 120 minutes the other day. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can I talk one other thing? I wanted to kind of ask you about or just get your reaction to, which was that I forget which goal it was for Nashville, whether it was their second or third. But it can't. It was a. It started with a throw in. I think it was their third. (laughs) It It started with a throw in, like deep, deep in their own. It was the second one deep in their own territory and they just play up the line basically and it really reminded me of that Toronto goal the 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 goal that the team conceded at the very end of the game against Toronto mm-hmm. where they just kind of you know it didn't obviously start throwing or anything but just kind of a you know kind of down the wing a lot of like vertical passes and again you talked about like those midfielders being able to cover in some of those wide spaces like I don't know what happened there exactly but it just viscerally reminded me of that goal that they scored uh it was just very frustrating to see it start from a position where you should be in actually an advantageous position there as Atlanta United with the opponent having a having a throw in like you know within 10 yards of their own goal line and (laughs) then the ball's in the back of your own goal in 15 seconds I agree that that was bad. I don't know if I have anything yeah, else to add. Yeah, it, was yeah, just, yeah. it was just rough, you know? Yeah. It was just rough. Yeah. Um, man. Uh, mm. Mm. The, we, mm, the, uh, do you want to go to questions? I, I we, we have a lot bad. of questions to get to. So. I'll just add one more thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'll add two more things. I don't think it's bad that you want to get your fullbacks involved in the attack. Plenty of teams at this point in – Plenty, plenty of places, you know, get their fullbacks involved, get them high up the field and everything like that. But you, you just you have to have the players that can cover for those spaces. And, you know, on, on that goal, you know, they go down the right Lennon is advanced, which is totally fine. Uh, but Atlanta can't get back and, and cover the wings and it gets to Hani on the wing. And that's a whole disaster. Right. Uh, the final goal, I know they're pressing. I, you're trying to score. It, it's not that great an example of it, but Gutman is all the way in the box. They go down that wing. Uh, Hani gets the ball, and th- they score, right? Um, I don't think that's a bad thing, but you, they just don't have the personnel in place for it right now. What I'll add yeah. to that is 
man, a lot of teams are going to lose to Nashville at home this year. Like we, we do have to put it in the proper context. No doubt. You know, good team. Um, good team. But that's kind of the issue, right? Like when Atlanta plays against good teams, what's going to happen? And it's probably this. It's probably this because they just don't have the, the players to, to stack up right in the center of the pitch. Right. Um, so in a vacuum, this is a good Atlanta United team. They're totally fine. But they need those advancements in midfield to to really compete. They, have, they probably need an advancement on the wing as well to compete. Uh, Luis had a weird one. Luis had a weird one where like he was kind of doing good things, yeah. and then he also wasn't, and then <laughs> it just kind of devolved into a pretty typical Luis game. But yeah, yeah, we it's got strange we got, right now with him. We got plenty of questions. He'll he'll definitely be a point of conversation on the uh, <laughs> se- second half of the show for sure. A main character in the second <laughs> act. Let's get to it right now. Okay. After this quick break <laughs> oh boy before we get into that which is going to be a doozy did want to remind everybody that the uh, this episode of five Strive finals presented by lucid fc that's lucid footwear and clothing they have a shop in buckhead that's open by appointment and walk-ins from 1 to 8 p.m daily it's located at 3209 paces ferry place that's right right here in atlanta georgia um they have new releases that usually come every thursday and they if you go onto their website lucidfc.us you can see they've got a bunch of stuff to get you ready for the summer they've even got one of those hats with the little shade that goes over the back of your neck that's really good uh but they've got all kinds of stuff they've got everything from parkas to hats to hoodies pullovers um stuff for festivals if you if it's festival season music festival season so you can get all your gear for that little uh, pouches and things so um check them out at lucidfc.us and you can get free shipping within the united states if you use dss as your uh checkout code your whatever they call those things the the you know the codes the codes before you put in your Give me your money with your credit card. So use code DSS at checkout at lucidfc.us, and uh, we thank them for being a great partner for us on the show. It is festival season, isn't it? It happy, is. Happy shaking these week. week Everybody all who every, are celebrating. At, uh, at covering the draft this weekend, a lot of people were regretting missing. They were missing various festivals and mm. Taylor Swift concerts and all those kinds of things. <laughs> course of course your fsf question of the week by the way for the listeners is who is the shaky knees lineup for because i don't know i don't know i might go over i haven't seen it we'll find out we'll find out um let's start with the questions ralph says ignore salary cap concerns or the like who would you rather have in this team barco or ada uju it's a good question that i hate i hate it so much look um barco undeniably more productive than Louise at this point. Although uh-huh. I will say it did take him three years to kind of get to that point. Uh-huh. Um, same as kind of Louise, but same time Louise not really doing anything. I will say that Barco probably occupies too much of the same spaces as Tiago Amada. I think the team is probably better as a whole with Louise Araujo, even if Barco is technically more productive. I don't want either player back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not the question. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. Louise. I'm going to go Barco, actually. Uh, okay. I mean, but I, I agree with your sentiments about all of this, just to put it out there. <laughs> like, these are the kinds of players that Atlanta United should be moving more away from and not towards. Um, and by that, I just mean players who want to be on the ball. Um, the team needs runners. Like, they just need, well, and obviously you want your DP to do more than just run, but... Um, you want players that that accentuate you know the other great players that you have, and neither of these players, in my opinion, would do that. But I don't know. For me, ah, maybe it's just my frustration. It's probably just being too close <laughs> to the situation for me to want to say Arujo, just because he hasn't 
really not done anything as of late, but um, yeah, I don't know. Gosh, I guess yeah, I'll just take Burrow. Uh, but can I? It brings up a really great point that Sasha Question made on MLS 360, and Sasha's kind of quietly becoming like a cult hero in like the MLS analytics community <laughs> for like being the one guy defending like XG on that show and everything <laughs> like that. Um, but he made a point. I I want to say I'm like 99% sure it was about New England. But he talked about Bruce Arena kind of making things simple in the sense that, okay, get the ball to Carlos Yule and let folks run him behind and make that happen, right? Like they were talking about Dylan Barrero who got injured this weekend. He was one of those players. All right. And regardless of whether or not I actually have that right as to who he was talking about, um, it feels like it could be really simple for Atlanta. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be as simple as get the ball to Tiago Amada and have the runners available for him. Mm-hmm. I think it can be that simple. So do I. So do I. You know, and, it, I, I, it, and there are too many things complicating it and too many things that don't fit within that mold, i.e. Louise and the two midfielders. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I actually kind of like the sub uh, that that Pineda made to bring on um, Derek Etienne for Araujo and not Caleb Wiley, despite the fact that we mainly, you know, obviously because Wiley plays left wing, so does Derek Etienne. Uh, and you could also argue that Araujo was having the better game, statistically speaking, but I actually thought that it it set the team up better. Um, obviously, they get the goal, the penalty that comes from that later later on, but that's one of the reasons why I kind of like that sub, to be perfectly honest, because I just wasn't seeing it from, from Araujo. Like, it just doesn't seem like he's going to create in the way that that you want him to so you might as well have some runners out there that are at least just going to give space for Almada to do his thing you know exactly exactly i mean new england's doing it to, it's a great success right now mm-hmm. with you you know they have been for a while mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm okay if they want to try that going forward i want i kind of want the data points on it to be honest uh to, to see what it's like you know and maybe that sends a message to louise maybe that just yeah. makes him grumpy for the next few months. I think based on what I hear about Louise from time to time, that would be entirely possible, but then he just goes to Palmeiras and it's probably fine. Right. Uh Um, so it is what it is. I don't know. Uh, I think you can fix it though. Make it better at the very least, at the very least. Uh, what didn't really necessarily make it better was Juan Prada at striker. Uh, Bert (laughs) handsome says thoughts on pirates at striker, uh, Prada corrects to, to pirates. If you didn't know, um, yeah, no, sure. Why not? It was it was worth it, I guess. It was worth the worth worth the shot. Worth the shot. Let me kind of reframe that though and say putting pirates at striker uh led to Lusa Brahm at center back. And uh the early returns on him, man, have been rough. <laughs> it has not been good. Yeah, some uh we actually have a question about that too. We should probably just reference it now since we can talk about him. Um uh, from Telemaca says, why is it taking Avram so long to get in rhythm with the team? That's an expensive signing to have riding the bench. And yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, it certainly was not what you wanted to see in that game. Um, he was pretty poor when he came on. I, I thought he looked good in some of the times we've seen him when the team was chasing a goal. I think it was the first game of the season, actually, that he played. Um against what was that was that vancouver san jose san jose first season first game of the season but yeah i mean i don't know honestly that's something we need to get parkers back on the uh pod for and just ask Mm, him about mm -hmm. 
like what would what does a center back need to do to kind of get himself in form with the rest of the team, especially when you're changing teams and joining a new group? I don't really have enough insight to be able to decipher that. Um, thoughts yeah. on uh, pirates at striker? I thought uh, I would actually like to see an, an actual pirate at striker. I think that would be fun. But uh, I wonder if yeah. I wonder if Pineda saw Zimmerman get, getting forward and I was like, you know what? I need to do that. Throws <laughs> <laughs> Parata up there. I mean, all considered, Parata has like seven goals yeah. or something like that. It's not the yeah, worst. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not the worst idea I've right. ever seen. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it does it, it does go it, to show how dire straits this team is in. Like when you don't have say, GG, yep. like there's just like the depth is just not there right now behind the eleven or twelve best players for this team. And I saw some criticism this week again about like Atlanta never having a good backup striker. Y'all name like name like three teams in MLS that have a good backup striker. Yeah, yeah. Please, like stop. Just stop. <laughs> stop. It's it's more the problem is like you hope to have a source of goals that is maybe not necessarily the backup striker, but, but comes from, you know, some other position who can be prolific, like a Tito Villalba obviously was that guy for, for Atlanta United in the early days of the franchise. So, um, but that just has not emerged yet. No, I think we did the chop tool at striker thing, by the way, I think that's, I think that's probably enough of that. Like I know Barry's not like offering much, but, or anything. But I think we did it. I think we tried it. <laughs> no more. Yeah. No more. Yeah. Um. Bring him on as a sub. Let's see. Vizaba says, how do Garth slash Pineda feel about that home playoff game after the last two performances? Uh, y'all, this team's on 1.8 points per game. Like, let's... I mean, I know it's not great, but this team's third place in the East. They're three points away from being on top of the supporter shield standings. Like we are complaining mm-hmm. because that is what we do mm-hmm. is our job. Same time. It, it's, it's going fine. All considered. It's going better than expected. All considered. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Right. <laughs> like if, if anybody would have told you that Atlanta and I would be at this place before the season, you would snatch their hand off for it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And it's these points that you get early in the season. Again, obviously Atlanta United gets off to like one of their best starts the the season in, franchise history um and you hope that those points in combination with what you hope this team will be by the end of the season again after you go through uh, a transfer window and you're able to get the team you know up to speed i think that uh, a home playoff game is still very much in the cards despite how poorly this team is playing right now they're just in a bad bad run of form right now we're trying to help them get through it <laughs> that's it just survive survive yeah. until the pro- until the secondary transfer window which is not that far away like it's not mm. that far july 5th yeah july 5th two months um and like i don't know i don't know if y'all heard but this this garth locker right guy seems to do a pretty good job in the summer transfer window just from what i've heard just from what i've heard mm-hmm. so i i think you can probably don't feel confident in it feel optimistic right right it's just it's, it's still very spot. much a possibility yeah right team before the team etc cetera, etc cetera. blah 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 Oh, uh, I think we have like five questions about the midfield here, <laughs> um, which good job, guys. You're paying attention. Uh, Mansi says, for your analysis notes, how many times are Rosie and Sosa within 10 feet of each other just chilling? Uh, fair criticism. Good criticism. Uh, that happens a lot. Sometimes they don't even like they, they don't know how to play off each other. They don't know how to like build up next to each other. No one progresses the ball. There was that moment that Matt Doyle tweeted out where Sosa <laughs> like keeps checking his shoulder for where Rosie is 
and keeps checking his shoulder and keeps checking and looks again and looks one more time right as he's about to receive the ball and tries to dummy it to Hosatu, who immediately moves out of position and Atlanta gives away the ball. It was a perfect encapsulation of, of everything that's going wrong. Well, that transitions there. well to Kyle Cram's comment. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, Kyle Cram says lots of talk about midfield issues. Uh, speaking of Matt Doyle, Matt Doyle tweeted, I still think Sosa will be real good in this league if they compare him with dot, 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 someone else. What type of player would that be or be like and would even help? Coming into the season, we talked a lot about putting Sosa next to a box-to-box midfielder. He can cover ground, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just not convinced anymore that Sosa is that guy. Agreed. I'm just not. Has he improved at all? Said that. Has he improved at all? Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, we've talked about it. He still very much seems like the same player that he was when he signed with Atlanta. How long ago was that now? Was that Three in 20? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, because you, you, you don't really want to... Yeah, you don't really want to sign, you know, put a, a true box to box next to him because that leaves him so isolated in midfield by himself, which we've already talked about. He's like maybe in an ideal version of a, of Santiago Sosa, he would be a single pivot kind of defensive midfielder, but he's definitely not that from what we've seen. So, yeah, I agree with you. I that's why I, that again, I've been kind of alluding to it here and saying it, but I just can't see him. I, I, if I were Garth Loggerway, I would probably be trying to look for some value for him in this transfer market because I just don't see Atlanta United going forward with him. And if you're and if you're Sosa, you don't really. I feel like you've got to see the kind of disjointedness that is in the team when when you're playing too. So I feel like it would be best for both parties to move on. To be perfectly honest. And he's going to be the easiest one to move on. Exactly. That group. Right. You know, he still and has he's value. had those connections to Everton. He's got the river plate pedigree. Yeah. He's going to be the easiest to move on, you know, and, he, and you're right. He doesn't have the physical skill set to, to do the proper things in midfield, especially in transition moments defensively. I described him today in the discord as the dude who does just enough to make it look like he's contributing to the group project, but he's not actually <laughs> contributing. Yeah. It's just kind of <laughs> in the general area of the group project. And, that's that's the player he is right now and he's done nothing to prove that wrong over the last two and a half two years whatever we're at right now you know yeah so i don't know so i I think i'm i think i'm over it that's interesting so i think we're even more pessimistic about his his um future than uh than doyle (laughs) who says he thinks yeah i think so good if i mean it, it all comes back to like that initial impression of him where like even jim Curtin was like wow that dude what a baller. And mm-hmm. I think there's still some truth to the fact that he can, you know, he's an excellent passer. You know, that, that is true, I think, especially with the long switches and diagonals and everything like that. He can still do that, but he hasn't brought anything else beyond that. And yeah, I got I to gotta put my hand up and say, like, I was just totally wrong. Same here. I was just Same totally here. wrong about him progressing. I think I was sort of enamored with some of the th- the things that he does well. I think I was like overly enamored with it. And he still does them well, by the way. Like, uh, I think mm-hmm. I'm pulling it up now but i think he was like 12 for 12 on his long passes or something like that in this game um again if you statistically you look at it and he was good that's why at the top of the show i was kind of joking it's like no it's not it's not how he plays just it's just him (laughs) but um (laughs) uh sorry i'm just kind of delaying yeah he was 12 for 12 accurate long balls so somebody else can uh can fix him you know (laughs) yeah someone else someone else we couldn't do it 
we can do it. Uh, John Leach says, it's very clear based on the results that we need the midfield to play well in order to have success given the current roster. Is there any reason to not start a bar stage as a double pivot in every game possible until upgrades in the summer window? Nope. I don't, yeah. I don't see any other reason. I don't see any data points that suggest they should. I just don't get it. Totally. Totally agree. They're, they've performed the best. They've proven themselves to be the best pairing. So you should go with them in every possible instance in a game you want to win. I'll add John's follow-up because it echoes what we've been saying. Follow-up on the midfielder where you officially out on Santee as him dump him in the summer window if you can. I just don't see what he offers that's better than a bar at this point given his physical limitations. I don't think it's worth building a midfield around him as would be necessary for his success. That adds a good point at the end that you would have to. You would have to build around him for him to be successful. For and we kind of knew that coming into this year. Yeah. yeah. And the question was whether or not that's worth it. And it just doesn't seem worth it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, just to clarify, I just just to clarify something there. Like John says, I don't see what he offers as better than a Barra at this point. Like again, just to be clear, I like he does some things better than a Barra, but I do agree with John's point, and this is probably what he was getting at, which is just that the team is better with a Barra, and the and the team is better with uh, a Barra and Sadish specifically. Those two players playing together gives you the most dynamic midfield that this team can possibly offer, given its choices. So that's what they should roll with. Uh, Bad Boy had another question about the midfield. I, I think we've kind of addressed it at this point. Uh, yeah. Cinco yeah. Reyes asked about the leadership and accountability. I, I think that has also been addressed yeah. to some extent. Um, he said he references like with missing Guzan and, G- and Gigi. And I would even say it's not even about that. Like to me, it's it's like uh, you need like a Dax McCarty type, honestly. Like I credit Dax McCarty sure. with, with a lot of the reason why Nashville is – very much not this equal to the sum of its parts. They play better than the sum of their parts because they've got such good cohesion and that kind of leadership on the field, in my opinion. That's what kind of helps make them better. Agreed. Agreed. They're still three points behind Atlanta, though. Don't forget it. <laughs> Don't forget <laughs> it. Let's see, Mansi said, I don't know how to say this his name. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Luis getting marked out of the game with a double team. Almada sometimes a triple. What does our off-ball movement look like in those moments to give them options? I know it's different given the space and pace of the game, but I got to think a little like basketball. If two guys are on the double team, someone else has to be open. And in theory, yes. Also, in practice, not so much because no one's really moving right, exactly all that much, and, and no one really has the ability to solve the problems uh, as far as press resistance and passing goes to really make that effective. The difference between basketball is that in basketball, somebody gets doubled, like again in the front court, like when you're in the attacking, you know, around the three point arc, and just like in the phase of play. Um, if somebody gets doubled there, then yes, yeah, somebody is going to be in like a shooting position who is you know open or relatively open. In soccer, the field is so big, and the 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 space where you can score is so much smaller relative to what it is in basketball that you actually need players who are running toward into those dangerous areas to put themselves in the position where yes then they're open and you can actually exploit the opportunity that the 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 opponent is giving you by double or triple teaming when you're guys and to me that's what's a little bit lacking from atlanta united does that make sense like yeah yeah in basketball it's like by virtue of the the parameters of the court like somebody's going to be open but in soccer somebody's got to make themselves become a, a goal threat banana at 17 says how do we feel about Derek and caleb as the wingers without louise on the field could we should we see more of this in the future was it more of louise needed to come off 
a specific situation. I think me and you are both on the record are at least being curious on this and just wanting to see it. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, simplify it a little bit. Uh, Curse of Kids says, how soon could a summer signing play? Uh, July 6th, I guess. <laughs> right, I yeah. Well, I mean, it's um, worth it's worth noting that like when um, uh, when Eric Rometty came into the team, when they signed him, it was probably, well, uh, Tata Martino probably had a really good idea of how he wanted to use him, but he implemented him right away. He came in straight away and started playing and played almost every game. So... I think if, if if the coach has a good idea of how they want to implement a, the player that they're signing, then they could, yeah, they could make a huge impact immediately. What's kind of weird about the summer window this time, too, is that it coincides with Leagues Cup, which is like a whole month, potentially, where like you could essentially have it off if you kind of like don't take it all that seriously, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is totally possible. Uh, but you, you may potentially have some time to work some folks in and, and get them started back immediately when it comes to playing within MLS or even get them, you know, needed experience within leagues play mm-hmm. or leagues cup uh, to, to get them kind of settled Good point. Um, in time for, for domestic play, whatever. Um, <laughs> this guy. Uh, Stamper Cinema says not even having to go, but how many more matches does it take before we can all objectively realize that Gonzalo Pineda just ain't a coach, dude? I just totally disagree. That's just it. That's all I got. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't say it. Um, like I understand the frustrations people are having with with Pineda and the team tactically overall. We talk about it every show. You know, we point out the issues that that Lenny Knight had tactically, or how you know our critiques of it. But again, I think some of it's down to. You know decisions Pineda makes, but again, I think a lot of it's down to the selections that he has to choose from. And when he's trying to, you know, who's going to play striker, Machop Chol or Miguel Berry, like that's never a good choice to have to make. And it's not just about that, obviously. But um, I'm not saying he's like with you know, and you're not saying this either that we like should never criticize Gonzalo Pineda at all. But I think that this question really is a little bit um, too dismissive of of him. Yes. That's all I got to add to that. Um, Four card says, what happened to Gutman? He looked lost on the first two Nashville goals. Uh, tough position for Gutman on the second one, especially. The first one was just bad marking kind of in general from Atlanta United. On that set piece, Nashville kept going near post and kept going near post. And I, I kind of wonder if they saw something on tape that said, hey, if we keep going near post, it's going to cause issues. Uh, clearly it did. Clearly it did. Uh, but in, in general, it's been a weird one for Gutman. Right. Like, I feel like we we know that he's just one of those players that's like constantly rolling a 20 sided die and you kind of don't know what you're going to get. But it, it feels like there's been more negative plays than positive plays so far. And I, I bet it levels out mm-hmm. eventually. But so far, it's been kind of just strange in part because he's not getting much help. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't have a lot to add about these. The only thing I will say is the first goal, the one that came on the corner kick, I actually think that Clement Diop was a little bit overeager to try to get to that near post and punch that ball. It left the goal wide open for any sort of mm-hmm. flick that went over, whether it was from a Nashville player or even if just an Atlanta United player didn't quite clear it the way they wanted to. I thought he left the goal way too vulnerable in that spot. So if there's anybody that, um, in my opinion deserves you know criticism for the way that that was defended it, w- it was diop coming for that ball that he couldn't get to 
Fair, fair. Uh, Telemaka says, why is it taking a Abram so long to get in rhythm with the team? That's an expensive signing to have riding the bench. Uh, remember, there was no transfer fee or, or very minimal transfer fee. So that might make you feel a little bit of, better about it. He's still on TAM and he has not been starter caliber at all so far. Um, it takes time for a lot of folks to adjust. It takes time in general for players to adjust MLS, but it's fair to be worried about that one right now, I think. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, no doubt. Wes it's says a, not And I up. thought that he would be... Oh, sorry. We have a little bit of lag. It, for me, it was... Uh, I thought that he was going to come in and basically be the team starter from the get-go, so it is concerning. Mm. Um, I always thought Parata would be a, a third center back, a guy that you bring in at late in games to help defend and that kind of thing, or as a striker, perhaps. Um, but yeah, it is It is interesting in a concerning kind of way. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. In general, Anna's been very good defensively, by the way. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just want to point that out. Definitely. This was Brock has been game, good. For sure. Overall. Yeah. So it, it's okay to give that a little more time, but you know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh Wes says not game related. Do you think United ever moves into its own soccer specific space in the future? No, I do not. Nope. Uh Rubber Anchor says Joseph was on the bench today against Columbus and didn't play. Does Miami start him against Atlanta? I really doubt it. They went 4-2-3-1. Really? Up top. He scored a brace. Joseph has not scored yet and kind of really hasn't gotten too many shots off. And it's been bad and everything you would kind of expect. So uh I don't know. I bet he gets in. I bet they're gonna want to play him, but right, uh, right. on that, like Nah. We'll see. That, uh, nah. <laughs> um, Super Soft Free Kick Party says, what's more likely to occur? Parada gets another hat trick. This team is actually able to replace Luis and Hosetsu in the summer window. I don't think they're getting rid of Hosetsu. Because who's going who's gonna to do that? Who's going right. to take that player with like half a season left yeah. who doesn't really contribute? Yeah. Luis? Yeah. Rosetta yeah. will stay for sure. I think the big question would be, do you think they will replace Louise in the summer window? Um, my guess would be yes, if I were to guess. And that's, a bit, again, kind of leaning on Garth's rhetoric about the ownership, having all these resources, and sometimes that means that you actually, you know, take a, you know, you don't do the sunk cost fallacy thing. You just, you know get rid of the player, move on, get another player in. So I think that they will do that. But yeah, I agree with you on Rosetto. Exactly. It's about the way he's phrased it is clearing inefficient contracts. And right now, uh, Luis is an inefficient contract for sure. All right, Joe, let's, let's efficiently use our time and, and get out of here. I think yes. uh, any, yes. anything else you want to add before we roll? No, honestly, we could have talked about this game in about 10 minutes, but we did it in 50. Mm-hmm. So You're I think welcome. we've been very thorough about this very forgettable game. <laughs> um, go check out. Don't forget to check out uh, patreon.com slash five strike final. Go check out Jerry South Soccer. Go check out Joe and Nightmare the Game. Go check out me at thestriker.com and MLSsoccer.com. Go check out all these things. You know the drill at this point. Uh, hey, Joe Patrick, 1.8 points per game. That's right. Third in the East. End on it a all could note. be so much worse. Love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Bye, all right, y'all. See ya.